0: Welcome back to Behind Our Door, and today we are doing part two with Carve Your Own Path. Today we have Amanda Castro. Did I say that right, Amanda?
1: Uh Kostura.
0: I knew I was going to mess that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, That's okay. And today we are diving into um, a subject that we wanted to dive into for a long time, talking about trauma and healing from trauma. Um, I don't think there's any person that walks this earth that hasn't been affected by it. and Amanda likes to talk about holistic care beyond the bubble bath. So we're anxious to hear all about this. So let's get started. Amanda, welcome to our show. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Hi, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be here.
0: We like to start out by asking people, how did you get into this business? How did it become your calling? Because most people in mental health, it's a calling.
2: And also aren't yeah. you aren't you the founder of Carver own Path? Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Uh, awesome. so let me let me summarize it that's uh, <laughs> in, in a brief introduction. um, how did I, I I always joke and say that I didn't choose Social Work Social Work chose me. Mm-hmm. um, it it's interesting looking back, my mom uh, saved a lot from like my educational days and academics. and just looking through a lot of those things, there was like, A lot of like social justice, advocate, helping others, caregiving type themes in all of that and my writings. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I was and then I just always felt like I was the person that people went to for things or I was always interested in finding support and resources for people. Um, and so I actually initially started school, uh, my undergrads in psychology, thinking I would actually be a child psychiatrist. Um, and looking back, I'm like, no, no. Um, <laughs> I very quickly learned I was not going to be um, prescribing pharmaceuticals to like, you know, developing minds, and that wasn't going to align with me. Um, and and so then I got to this point in my undergrad where I was like, well, now what do I do? Because that's not what it is, and you can't really do much with an undergrad in psych and. Um, so I, I chose social work because I thought I might have wanted to do counseling, but I wasn't sure. So if I chose that as a master's and I just like got in front of a room of doing this with people and didn't love it, I, you know, I didn't want to be stuck there. And social work is such a flexible degree. There's so many different fields you can go into. Um, and so that's the career path I chose for my master's. I worked in nonprofits for, um, and, and other social service agencies, Um, for about 10 years in my undergrad and graduate and a couple years afterward. And there was just a big misalignment of values and what I knew, uh, like evidence-based trauma-informed practice um, was not happening. It was very cookie cutter approaches and also the environments and the requirements and productivity standards were just inhumane um, (laughs) in some places. And I got to my own point with my physical and mental health that I I ended up leaving a job for the first time ever without having another job lined up for self preservation. I knew I wouldn't be able to do the work that I felt called to do if I stayed where I was. And so I say that I uh, jumped off the cliff and kind of built the bridge as I went. And I'm still building it to this day. I didn't know what that would look like for me, but in the process of uh, finding another job in that in between, I founded Carve Your Own Path. I was like, we have to be able to do this a better way. We need to holistically treat people as individuals. We need to treat our employees like they matter um, and have value. And so yeah, that's that's kind of where it all came from. And and when did you start this
0: organization?
1: Yeah, November 2018. So we're actually coming up oh. on celebrating five years here.
0: Yeah. Wow. Congrats. Congratulations. That's really it's exciting. Great. Yeah, it's yeah. great. We
1: started with um counseling Um, and then I also provide training supervision so once you get your master's in social work for two years you have to be supervised by a supervisor um, in order to be able to apply for your independent licensure exam Mm -hmm. and so I started out with those two services and then over time we've just kind of expanded and um, you know you had Lisa on here as well so now we're offering yoga and Reiki services and then we have a separate arm that's really professional development and employee wellness where we're trying to Change those environments that I've left and make them more healthier workplaces through stress management, emotional regulation, effective communication, uh, trauma informed workplaces all of those uh, things that I felt like were missing.
2: That's for the employees, you're saying too?
1: Yeah, for businesses, organizations, employees. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's really needed in our society. Yeah, I think it's. it's definitely a, a thing that's missing for sure. Yeah, uh,
2: for sure. I mean, that is, and you think of every profession when people are are saying the nurses through COVID and that was just one that was very publicized, but there are so many burnout professions that need, that so desperately need this. And um, uh, I hope this is a role model, what you're doing for so many all over, you know, this is a national podcast, international, hopefully people are listening that could really. Mm-hmm. Take this and run with it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess my question think, is um, to start, like, let, let's let's dive into a little bit about trauma and what it looks like. Sometimes I feel like people have the wrong, there's a misconception that you have to have went through something really traumatic to, to have trauma or suffer from trauma. Um, and I believe that it doesn't necessarily have to be a major incident. Sometimes minor things can trigger things. Yeah.
1: So trauma in itself is a natural biological response to um, unnatural events, right? Like things that we're not expecting. Um, it's it's a natural response from your body to protect you. It's basic. It's core. It's in our survival. Um, in order for us to adapt and survive in this world, we we need the defenses and the coping that our body naturally arises, especially if we're not given those skills in society, right? We're not taught how to cope. We're not taught how to regulate our bodies. We're not taught um, more than like happy, sad, mad. Um, mm-hmm. As far as identifying our emotions, we're not taught how to feel that in our body. For me, when I'm anxious or depressed, I'm going to feel that in different areas of my body. Um, and and you YouTube might feel that in other ways. So we don't have this emotional intelligence and these skills and resources. Um, So of course, our body is going to try to do what it can to adapt in order to survive. And also that might look like unhealthy behavior from the outside that might look like substance use, drinking, um, uh, conflicts in relationships, sleep issues, right? Um, You know, trying to cope with unhealthy relationships. There's all sorts of gambling, right? There's all sorts of things that we attempt to do to cope with that trauma because it's so dysregulating to our nervous system. And I just like to validate for people that there's nothing wrong with you. Your body's doing what it needs to do to survive. You just weren't empowered with the skills you needed to manage this. Um, and just like any other health condition, you need that outside support of a provider that specializes in this to teach you those things to help your you know you move through this.
2: So. I love the way you, you say that you want to talk about beyond the bubble bath. Um, I feel like someone who's gone through trauma, like you're saying, which could be anyone for any of this, talk to us about carve your own path and how, how you define that or what that looks like service wise.
1: Yeah. So um, we really like to, so there's SAMHSA, which is the substance abuse and mental health service administration. Um, If you just Google that, like, Uh, acronym and Eight Dimensions of Wellness that'll come up for you. They have this initiative that they put out several years ago, and it's a circle of circles. So there's mental wellness, physical wellness, intellectual wellness, spiritual wellness, financial wellness. Uh, I could go on. But we look at all of those and people might say, hey, you, you work on mental health. What are you doing talking about these other things? But they're all intertwined, right? If you're if you're in a corporate job that is depleting you um, and you don't mm-hmm. have good relationships and you're not sleeping well and your financial situation isn't what you'd like it to be, it's gonna bleed into all the other areas. And when we peel back the layers and truly look at people holistically at what's going on in their lives, it's like, oh, here's the clues. Uh, Of course, of course, you're um, irritable all the time. You feel like you have no control in the workplace, of course, right? And so it starts to give us this mindful lens to peek at and say, okay, this makes sense. What can we do to adjust this? What can we do to change this? Um, And so I just really love using that as a mindful tool Bubble baths are great, um, but we need so much more of that. And I think oftentimes by the time we get to the vacation, the spa day, whatever that is, it's really self-preservation and it's not actually self-care. Self-care to me is like the daily habits, the moments, the I'm sitting in my chair talking to you on this podcast and I'm hunched forward and that's really uncomfortable. Like noticing what's happening in my body, noticing that I um, have a tightness in my chest when I feel anxious and I need to slow down and take a breath. It's setting a boundary in a relationship, um, saying no to things. It's getting outside and getting fresh air. It's kind of those simple habits. And and I like looking at it through that lens of the eight dimensions, just as a mindful check-in to give you a clue into what adjustments might need to be made.
0: That's interesting that you um, talk about that. Number one, boundaries is big. We talk about that all the time on this podcast. But saying no, I'm glad you pointed that out because I think, boy, how many people are afraid to just say the word like, no, I can't do it or I won't do it or I don't want to do it or I don't want to be a part of the relationship, whatever it may be, Um, Mm -hmm. which which also aligns with boundaries. But I think saying no is a big thing that we should talk about a little bit because people are afraid.
1: Yeah, when I think about that, I think um, oftentimes we also talk to our clients about values and starting there as a foundation. Um, and so, a lot of times we're doing things in an attempt to cope, in an attempt to fill some wound trauma. Again, we aren't given skills to manage it, so we figure out a way to cope. Um, our brains are very intelligent, but also uh, not so smart. And like they, they, they rapidly help us cope, but it's also like not the best thing for us in the moment sometimes. Um, so it's really learning um, your own individual needs in that light. Um, and so people you know, will ask, what are your core values? And they're like, I'm not really sure. And so we'll go through, like, what are your family's values? What are people that, you know, you um, are like mentors to you or people you admire? What do you think they value? And we give people a list um, of different values and help them really identify like, oh, actually, you know what? I'm just still engaged in this relationship or I'm still doing this thing because it's what I feel like I should be doing, but that's what my mom values or that's what society values. I don't actually align with that. And so that can really getting in alignment with your values can really help you feel more confident comp- and practice. Oh, you got to practice it and affirmations and all the things, but um it, it really helps you become more confident in saying no so that you can say yes to things that do align with your values and, and feeling good that you've made that decision for yourself.
0: Yeah. I feel like we often focus on people with mental health issues, but we never really focus a lot on the families. And so when I think of no, I think that's a big thing for caregivers of people with mental health issues and setting boundaries, especially because it's so difficult because they have an illness and you love them and we struggle. And um, I think often families don't even recognize that they're they're suffering from trauma from dealing with their loved one with mental health issues
2: to say the least, that this isn't helping the person they want to help. You know, they it's always hard to have, you know, like Julie said, we talk about boundaries, especially drawing boundaries when you're caring for someone with um, with mental health issues in your family or otherwise. And that, you know, to point out, you have to get stronger to be able to help them. You know, there's the classic person that doesn't want to get help that so desperately needs it. And you think, and, and Julie and I both take crisis calls and and have had this question so many times from someone calling us saying, my son, my daughter, um, my father, my mother, whoever it is in need will not go for help. What do I do? You can't force an adult into this. You have to get help yourself. And so what you're saying is what they need, you know, you just to make yourself stronger. And um, it's so freeing to be able to what you're practicing there would be so, um, you know, a revelation of freedom of, you know, getting some strength to help that person.
1: Yeah, it's foundational. You know, it's, it's the old adage, it, you know, we repeat it so much at this point, but it really is true. Like the, every time I even repeat it, I get the reminder that we have to put our own oxygen mask on first. Like mm-hmm. if if I am suffocating, I cannot help the other person, right? I'm, I'm not much help to them. And I might even make mistakes or I might, Um, create more rifts in the relationship because I'm not fully myself. Um, And I think that when you can become stronger in yourself, it helps you be better for them. And also we can't, like you said, we can't force people into, I mean, think about it. Like if someone came up to you when you were having a really hard time with something in your life and they're like, you need to do this, this is what Mm -hmm. you need to do. Right. No, one's going to listen to that. That's not how change happens. We know that from research. So what does work is, you know, empathy and strong boundaries and support. So that might look like I'm willing to support you in, you know, your healing journey. And if you're ready for me to take you just, you know, if you need this and having certain limits on what that looks like, but I'm, I'm not willing to support you to continue to harm yourself or, um, you know, create any more rifts in our relationships, that t- type of thing.
0: Yeah. I'm, yeah. G- I'm glad you touched upon that because uh, again, I, I feel like so many families struggle and we talk to families all the time. And they, the thing with trauma is even for myself personally, even though I was in law enforcement for 25 years and I've been through a ton of therapy over the years, but Um, I didn't even recognize that I was suffering from trauma from my own son and living in a household that was so chaotic so often, I never knew which way was up. And then, you know, come to find out like years later, I I have memory issues. I don't remember things that that have occurred, simplistic memories, not even traumatic memories, but, you know, and it was all a contributor from dealing with the chaotic things that were going on in my home.
1: Yeah. Our bodies, like I said, are really great at adapting and that becomes our new normal. And we don't even realize it because it just kind of slowly happens over time. And sometimes it's not until um, this happens a lot when we work with people in therapy that are disclosing trauma for the first time, especially if they're a little younger or things like that. But you know, it's not until they kind of get out and start talking to other people and they're like, oh, that's not how you're like that, right? Like, so then that's where you start to check like, oh, okay. But then that is sometimes life shattering for people, right? Because everything that you knew isn't healthy is, you know, all of those things. And so there's, that's where it kind of, um, you can have this little bit of a crisis of identity. Who am I? If I am not this person that trauma has made me feel that I am, then who am I? And, and how do I move forward? This is all I know. This is everything I've done to cope. My whole life, and you're saying that that's not healthy for me, so mm-hmm. uh, I have to do all these things new on top of being in a traumatized body and, and managing that every day.
2: My hope, I hope those listening to this uh particular episode with hearing this would give themselves permission to focus on themselves. I think that's you know, mm-hmm. when you're in this traumatic especially like you know, with the families supporting somebody who's really struggling. You just so often don't recognize that you can take that and focus, focus on yourself. It seems selfish, or, you know, sometimes it's even a financial thing if I don't want to spend money myself. I have we've have so many people that are just struggling to put it together to be able to get um help for their loved one. It's so important to give yourself permission for this. I mean, I I feel like it changes the whole, turns the wheel of the whole situation. And uh you know, I think what you're saying is so many resources. It's so important
1: Accessibility too. Yeah. So like, just, I also try to encourage people like these dimensions of wellness, you know, don't get overwhelmed thinking I have to find an individual activity that's going to help me with each one, right? It's not like, oh, physical, I need to go to the gym and then mental, I have to need to go to therapy and spiritual, I have to go to church. Sometimes you can get one activity that covers a lot of them, right? So like, a, a free uh, uh, event that your library is hosting or a wellness fan uh, uh, fair or a support group or a networking event. Like that's going incorporate to social, incorporate social wellness, maybe some intellectual wellness, right? Physical, if you're walking around mental, right? Like you can get these things um, in one event and, and definitely be able to have, and, and I think community too. I wouldn't be doing this podcast justice about trauma if I didn't say, um, one of the most important things that we can do is ask for help. And also that can be one of the most challenging things to do. Um, However, when we're vulnerable enough to do that, that's where real change can happen. We are a social um, species. We need each other. We need connection. Isolation will just breed more um, mental health issues, more uh, substance use issues. Right, disease breeds in isolation. So, and then we start to convince ourselves even more, and can downward spiral. So, really staying connected to community and um, having them be your cheerleaders. America tends to be a very individual focused, um, individualized focused um, space. But I think the eight dimensions of wellness, especially, really isn't isn't for you to. Um, feel like you need to be selfish and do it alone. Um, you need to take care of yourself and we need to take care of each other.
0: Yeah, when you when you talk about um not isolating and as a group, of course it makes me think of Chicago. And um when I think of Chicago, I think about the violence that is occurring within the city. And you know, it's not just one person that it's affected, it's communities that are affected. And and how do we address that? And how do we fix that? And how do we get these young children that are exposed to violence help? How do we intervene? What do we do?
1: Yeah, and I think we have to take care of ourselves individually in order to be able to contribute to the community. Um, and I, this brings me to like Maslow's hierarchy. Even before the violence, it's like, what, what, is not, what needs are not being met? Um, whether that's housing, um, food instability, um financial resources basic needs aren't being met um and and what skills aren't there that people don't have to cope and this is the only outlet what is causing so much anger um what is causing so much of that to be built up that this is the way that it's being exuded because it's so big right what are those underlying issues
0: yeah i know that was kind of a loaded question i didn't mean to throw it on you <laughs> because you no, can't no 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 solve- you know, city violence, but however, my thought process is more of what are we going to see 20 years from now and how these individuals have been affected by, and then what do we do? How do we treat them 20 years from now? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And, and it's not even just now to 20 years from now, it's from, you know, the start of our country. Um, mm-hmm. And how we've started, you know, post-traumatic slave syndrome. If you haven't read that book by Dr. Joy, DeGruy, I'm I'm butchering her last name, <laughs> um, but highly recommend that book. Um, you know, this isn't anything new. It's, that's another topic is generational trauma and how our DNA is literally altered um, when yeah. we are traumatized. If we're not resolving that, right? So when I think about the future not specific to like the that violence but i when you start to ask about the future i kind of like smirk to to myself because i get hopeful Mm -hmm. um the world is very different now right um the access to information The access to validation, other people going through what you're going through, other people to support you, other people talking about their therapists and what they're talking about in therapy and uh, what shadow work they're doing, right? Like this is um, something that's being normalized. And I have so much hope um, for the future that we're not. We have a cycle, I think, right now of generation breakers that are doing the very hard work of saying, we're not going to keep doing what's been done in my family. This is not serving us. This is not working and we need to do something different. And that is one of the most um, applaudable things that you can do because it is, you're, you're not only healing your own trauma, you're healing generations worth of trauma. And that can be um, exhausting and debilitating
0: sometimes.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you were saying way back decades and decades in history, it's always been their trauma in some way, shape or form the whole fight with stigma is changing changing the game and so are places like yours that have these innovative approaches to um dealing with dealing with this in a holistic fashion you know not just throwing medication and mm-hmm. and um seeing a professional for um you know the usual 20 minutes uh 20 minutes every 6 months to get you know refill your medication but really there's this whole new just like carve your own path is doing, listening and looking at the mind, body, and all of that—that's changing it. And and of course, like you're saying, the stigma. Um, these this generation right now of young people, and coupled with the pandemic, changing the conversation, bringing it more to the table and out into the open, it seems to really be changing this in a big way. Yeah. So we heard from Lisa in the last episode um, when we started talking about Carving Your Own Path, you have counseling that you bring someone in on a counseling level. Do you do family counseling or? um, Yeah. So what's your approach on that?
1: Yeah. So we offer individual counseling and um, in that I think, I'm not sure if Lisa talked about all the specialties there, but we probably, um, she probably mentioned EMDR, yeah. um, but we have EMDR for trauma. We have art therapy. Um, it can be, EMDR can be used for more than trauma, but since we're talking about trauma, mm-hmm. um, we have art therapy and Lisa also does embodied therapy where she kind of incorporates some of the energy work she does with talk therapy. Um, we do not do specifically family therapy. Lisa does do some couples counseling and then we'll do um, like, like a conjoint type session or um, bring a family member in or other support as needed, um, maybe to help facilitate a conversation or um help the client identify their supports. Um, but that's really um, more short term. If they do need long term, like family therapy, bigger, deep, deeper rooted issues, that would be a referral. Um, and then we also offer, like you heard Lisa said, Reiki and yoga. Um, and we do offer that community approach. And we are always very strategic in our partnerships and networking. Um, because it's not just us. We do try to offer an integrated holistic approach, but every single person is so unique and different. What works for you might not work for me. What works for me today might not work for me tomorrow. And so we all need our own toolbox and resources. And so we'll work with local chiropractors and, um, you know, PT and, you know, whatever the, the career coach, whatever their issue is. That's why we love working with the um, eight dimensions of wellness, because then we make sure that we have some connections in those lights. You know, you you are um, in a toxic relationship, but you've been married for 30 years and you don't know what that looks like financially. And that just makes you have a pit in your stomach, but you know you need to leave. Here's some people you might be able to talk to about that. Here's some potential um, legal resources for you, right? So we really, even if it's not us providing the service, we want to make sure that our clients have all the resources they need because you can't do it alone and there isn't just a one one answer for all
2: yeah it's great
0: it's more of like a wraparound service that you're providing um yeah. which is nice I I feel like mental health is going more in that direction instead of just one-on-one individual mm-hmm. counseling and that's going to heal everything that we're expanding our horizons because there are so many other factors financial and physical and and, and if we don't address them all at once, then you're not going to be able to get better or heal.
1: Yeah. And I will say the other thing we do, you know, obviously we're there for people um, at the back end, you know, once they've been through something or are having symptoms um, we're also there to give them the skills that society doesn't teach us in school or elsewhere. Right. So people Sometimes I think destigmatizing therapy is also recognizing that sometimes coming to therapy is to learn coping skills, to learn effective communication skills, to learn boundary setting, um, to learn who you are and what you value, right? And that doesn't mean that there needs to be something wrong with you, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, there doesn't, and so we strategically don't partner with interns um, because we don't think that everything requires pathology, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. in our current world. Um, sometimes just trying to navigate the system, especially if you're a marginalized group or systemically oppressed, doesn't mean that you know you, you have pathology that we need to diagnose. Um, so we're there to just kind of provide you those things that
0: are gonna help regulate this experience a little simpler.
2: Total wellness. Yeah. Mental wellness.
0: And what I are guess. the age ranges that you see? Is is it adults only or do you treat children?
2: Yeah, we do 16 and
1: up.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about the physiological change that people feel when they go through trauma so they can be able to recognize it?
1: Yeah, trauma. So the this honestly could be a whole series in itself about trauma. Um, trauma can be different for everyone, depending on their biology, their previous experiences, their resilience, you know, um, their access to resources, all the things. Um, but typically, people are going to respond with what you've heard before fight flight, but there's also freeze. And, um, recently we've also added in their fawn. So fight is what it sounds like, right. Kind of erupting with anger and feeling like you're going, it might not necessarily be anger, but having big, big feels, um, and feeling like you need to protect yourself. Um, flight is, I need to protect myself, but I need to escape the situation. Um, freeze is kind of just a numbness. Um, there's, you know, not really, um, You kind of don't really have an opinion or feeling one way or the other about life. You're just kind of nonchalantly living. And then fawn is kind of appeasing um, the abuser and and doing what you need to do to survive. and so that can vacillate depending on the person and, and what type of trauma it was and how long they're experiencing symptoms and if any additional trauma has happened since then. Um, that can vacillate between any of those levels. Um, some people have, you know, are are regular, like typically stuck in freeze. Um, but depending on what type of reaction you're having, it can look very differently. Something else we don't always understand, even though the research has been there for hundred years or more, is that there's a stress disease connection. So when we have that significant level of stress on our body without resolve, um, your cortisol and all of those stress hormones are constantly firing. And um, your stress response is a system in your body, just like your immune system, your respiratory system, your digestive system. So when the stress response is pulling energy from all those other symptoms systems to be on all the time, you might have issues with your stomach, right? You might have like IBS or um, you might have issues breathing. You might have issues um, with your blood flow. So there or your endocrine system, right? And so when we function at that level, without getting the support, you might start to see chronic pain, headaches, migraines, and eventually we we see progression to disease and death, you know, cancer and. Um, you know other chronic health conditions like that.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because it's such a valid point that I think people often miss. You know, people just don't feel well and don't know why, and they go to the doctor and um so we always advocate on here to listen, take the time out, talk to a therapist. It, it you know, it won't hurt you. <laughs> I mean, it'll never hurt you to explore that path and and see if that can not that the physical it, it's all important but you know, sometimes you need to know where to start. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes just starting with a a good therapist can really change the path of your life, so to speak.
2: I also like the way you said, you know, usually we hear um, fight or flight, you know, that's a common Mm -hmm. phrase, but freeze and fawn is really important listening that that's another identification. You know, freeze to me sounds like it's the throw in the towel You know, you said you're numb. You just kind of feel like, forget, I can't deal with this. You know, you just or else even fawn of just pleasing this person who's toxic, you know, toxic to you in what way. But um, I'm glad you said that out loud for people to listen and think, "Hmm, you know, that's an identification that I really, you know, they don't recognize that they're in need. I'm glad you said that.
0: Yeah, me too. And it's interesting that the freeze thing, I feel like I was in that for a a little while with my own son, Um, just became very emotionless. In fact, with my own therapist, I said, Is there something wrong with me? Am I a bad mother? Because I I just don't care anymore. Like, I I don't have anything left to care. And of course, she was a great therapist and we worked through it. Um, And mine was more about just the acceptance of that I couldn't fix them, I couldn't change them and I had to figure out my own life and get my own help. So, so yeah. important, absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. And there's certain there's certain if things have happened to you previously that were traumatic that we haven't resolved if life events come up in the future or present that um, our brain (laughs) is like, oh, it kind of looks like a duck, kind of quacks like a duck. We're going to file it in the same cabinet Mm -hmm. and respond in the same way. But we're not going to give you the context of why we're responding this way. And it's very emotional based and there's no logic behind it. That's where you see reactivity. Um, And so certain things that present for you now, like your partner saying something to you that feels Mm -hmm threatening or harmful can incite a different nervous system response, right? It might put you on the defense and make you go into fight or for somebody that's been through DV, it might make them freeze up because they're like, don't say anything because I don't want to get harmed in this Mm -hmm. moment. Different situations can bring up those different um, nervous system responses as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I really had to learn how to um, be an active participant in my relationships because I obviously was having reactions to my past trauma and bringing them into my new relationship. So I had to g- genuinely work through them for a while and figure out exactly what you said. Like I was emotionally reaction, but, but logically it, it it had no relevance to what, what was going on in front of me. It all had to do with, with my son so
1: mm-hmm. um and one of the most crucial things you can do and that's something we is foundational that we you know getting back to like the the selfishness and self-care one of the most foundational things you can do for yourself is pay attention to those reactive times and slowly but surely nip it in the bud to where mm-hmm. you know what's happening my chest is tight i'm getting hot i can feel the irritability i'm crawling out of my skin i'm ready to do the thing <laughs> i'm going to word vomit
0: mhm Yeah, that's that's kind of what I did,
1: (laughs) right? And take it and walking away because I tell people, you know, I kind of give it synonymously with like you're too drunk to drive. Not that you know we don't want people driving drunk and we don't want people just being reactive. And people don't understand, you know, we don't teach these things that when you're in that very um, survival based response at the base of the back of your brain, it unplugs your rational logical thinking. This frontal part of your brain, Mm -hmm. the frontal lobe Mm -hmm. that has all those features, memory storage, all of it, right? Like you said, your memory. It's not online because they both can't be online at the same time, right? If you're needing to survive, you don't have time to go through all the equations. You need Mm -hmm. to know what's right here in the room now, although there's not actually a fire or a tiger standing in front of you. And so we need to, okay, hold on and get back online.
2: It makes sense what you're saying. It's just very interesting. Yeah.
0: Again, getting the supportive services in place because I'm not sure I would have recognized that on my own. And the the good part about it is that now I recognize it in other people, right? So as a person in law enforcement, when people were exploding on me for whatever the situation was, I never took it personally because I knew it was coming from somewhere else. That's how I look at things through life now. You know, people's reactions are based upon experience. And so it's not something I said, it's something that they've experienced prior to ever meeting me. Usually, I mean, sometimes I guess I could make people upset, but <laughs> nonetheless,
1: every behavior is functional. It might not necessarily be healthy or the best choice, but typically, you know, unless we're dealing with like sociopathy or psychopathy, right? Um, that's a whole different <laughs> or narcissism, right? Those yeah. kind of things yeah. typically be, and even in narcissism, behavior is functional, right? Mm-hmm. It's when we talk about people, and we talk a lot, I know we're not on this, but people with complex trauma often are then categorized into like borderline personality disorder. And for me, those personality type diagnoses are like, it's very stigmatizing and harmful. And I know for some people it's validating and they, they need their diagnosis and it supports them. And so I won't ever tell someone that that's not valid. It's just, if we look, it's like, if I look at this person's experiences and everything they've been through and they weren't given any skills to learn how to manage that experience, of course, this is what's happening, right? Like if this is how they were taught from the womb and even generations before that, it was in their DNA. Of course, this is how they were. Yeah,
2: yeah. And you're right, especially we've we've talked about uh, borderline personality disorder specifically on this podcast and going, you know, looking at talking to professionals about it. That is a very gray area diagnosis in the way of what you're saying. That first of all, labels can be very damaging. And also then you attach medications that might not be, you know, that's the bandaid. And, um, of all things, these, this trauma-based conversation really would, you know, going to something that's more holistically based, like you're saying, like carve your own path kind of place, mm-hmm. um, really could change the whole future in treatment for someone, uh, who may be, you know, it's a trauma-based situation and may not be the one to be labeled. It's a, it's a tough call. It's great. It's a gray area, but um, so important to dive in and try and get the help. Yeah. Um, and trauma but, doesn't go away. Right. Um,
1: right. You know, we, we, can, we can't think our way out of it. So, and, and what we've actually um, learned in the research is that the faster that we process and normalize and get validation for that experience, the less um, harm it has on us, the so less hold it takes. So, however, that kind of conflicts with people feeling vulnerable and feeling scared to talk about it. And is someone going to accept me? And am I trauma dumping on them? And do I have that person? And, you know, how quickly can you get to a provider to process that trauma before you start to digest it um, and identify that that's who I am and have negative core beliefs about yourself because of it that just get perpetuated as time goes on?
2: Great advice. I mean, Mm. you're your words go a long way. I feel like people listening are really, you know, hopefully going to really take some steps if they haven't already that need it. And yeah. it's being proactive and good to yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Self care. It always comes back to self care. Yep. <laughs> and right. and I think um, the other part about it too is even if you can't get to a therapist and, and something traumatic occurred, maybe you broke up with a boyfriend or girlfriend or or whomever. Um, just talk to someone. I I think that lessens the blow. Just for for me personally, and I hate to keep bringing my personal stories, but being a law enforcement boy, I've been surrounded by trauma for a very long time. So I recognize a lot of different things. But I used to go home from work, pick up the phone and call my mother every single day and and dump on her, like you said, kind of about my day and whatever transpired. But in the long run, I think it made me a a healthier person because I wasn't holding all that stuff in.
1: We need each other and people mm-hmm. need to hear that they're not alone. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, like I said before, community is so important. Um, finding those people that you feel safe with is is crucial because we we all go through it. We're just not all talking about it. And mm-hmm. and I'm sure you all and maybe the listeners, too, have have been in a room or listened to a podcast or somewhere at some point heard someone say something and thought,
0: whoa me too. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. And like what that feels like in your body to have that validation. And it gives you hope hopefully to move forward in the future. Like, wow. Especially if it's someone that we look up to or seems like they have it together or it seems like they're successful. Right. And it's like, wait, they had suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. They were were self-harming. Wait, they have been through addiction. Wow. Look at them now.
2: Right. It's been so great that these um, celebrities have come out to be role models in talking about their mental health and their own uh, personal struggles, whether it's an athlete or just somebody who's recognizable and in, in one way, shape or form. Um, I feel like it's made a real difference uh, and brought people out to you know, lower that bar of stigma. But also, uh, you mentioned it before, the power of support groups, depending on what you're going through. Usually there is no cost to finding a support group and Um, going to either zoom in or show up in person. It's the best medicine. Sometimes if that's your first step, that's your first step. But um, it really is. There is just nothing better than getting that weight off your shoulders, realizing it's not just me. And so that goes a long way too in wellness. It's all well. Yeah, here's my
1: here's my little personal um, experience here there for uh, <laughs> to help you uh, know that it's okay to share. But no, we actually, uh, for Christmas, my husband, you, you guys are local-ish. So um, for people in Ohio, we have this uh, venue called Blossom Music Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband got me or got us season um, lawn passes. For the season. And so you can go to any show that has lawn tickets um, with the pass. And so we've been living it up. Um, I have a two year old. So, like, we're finally getting back to our relationship. Uh, And so uh, it's been wonderful because Blossom supports mental health regularly, has the crisis text line and suicide. Mm -hmm um support on their screens and many 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 of the bands have taken time in the middle of their show or beforehand with a video they recorded to show us wow. to stop and say listen i've been through this i wanted to take my life uh, you know however long ago it was or you know when you come here your family we go through this and really just having those supportive messages and that collective collective recognition of how many people in I can't even say the room, like, you know, how many people are there at that concert at that moment that are like feeling what you're feeling of not being alone in community was just so amazing. I, I can't, I mean, I get chills thinking about it now, but it's so validating and that's what keeps people here. You know, that's what keeps people and motivates them to want to try to get help when they say, okay, I'm not alone. People go through this.
0: Wow. Wow. That is great. I didn't even know they did that. Wow. Yeah. So Amazing. lastly, if people want to find you, how do they look you up? Awesome. Yeah.
1: So our website is probably the, uh, one-stop shop for all things. Um, it's, uh, just the acronym of carve your own path. So C-Y-O-P and then Inc incorporated C-Y-O-P-I-N-C.org. Um, Shameless plug, we're having our five-year celebration in November, on November 3rd at Wolf Creek Winery. So anyone local, we'd love to have you or um, check out ways that you can get involved in that. Um, And then you can always give us a call too. I always tell people, like I shared before, we're always connecting with other like-minded practitioners, providers, resources. So even if we can't, you know, treat you. Even if someone calls for their 10-year-old, I'm I'm not going to say, sorry, I can't help you. I'll say, here, have you checked this place? This is an option. This is how you call your insurance. So if there's any way we can be a support to you or a resource, please feel free to call us. Our phone number is 330-426-7885. And then we're on all the socials um, at CYOP Inc. So feel free to follow us and stay tuned on things that are going on there.
2: That's great.
1: So generous.
2: Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for all your all you're doing and all your insightfulness on this topic. I know it's a tough topic to talk about. So we truly appreciate you.
2: Thank you so Absolutely. much. This was really enlightening. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're Amanda. welcome.
1: Thanks for the opportunity.
2: Don't forget, you can find us on
0: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We welcome your input. To contact us or any of our guests, please email us at Behind our door at mail.com. That's behind our door at mail.com. And please don't forget to like and share our podcast. Um, leave us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. We really want your feedback. It's important to us. We are so thankful that you
2: are here and listening to us. If you or someone you know is in crisis, struggling with mental illness, you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 1 800 273 8255 or the NAMI helpline at 1-800-950-6264. Until next time, please join us for another conversation behind our door. Thanks for listening.